I think that, you know, there's many stories in the book too that talk about challenges, failures, when people said stuff or whatever along the way. And I think that they just make you stronger. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle, and welcome back to the show. Joining us today is Kara Golden, who is the founder and CEO of Hint Inc., which is best known for its award-winning Hint Water. Kara is also the host of The Kara Golden Show and her first book, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, which came out in October of last year and is now a Wall Street Journal and Amazon bestseller. I had a great time sitting down with Kara to share her story, which began just about 15 years ago when she was the mother of three little kids and pregnant with her fourth child. She had a very successful corporate career, and yet she found herself on the entrepreneurial track. And she's going to tell us a story about how having breakouts with her skin and not being able to lose pregnancy weight and experimenting in her kitchen led her to develop the leading unsweetened flavored water that is offered in the market. And so it's a great story, and we centered it around this concept of being undaunted. What does it mean to be undaunted, and how can you use this in your life? With each and every guest, especially the female entrepreneurs, I like to dive into how they created the success that they created. Not so that you create what they did, but that you get to create the success that's in your heart to create, to become. And so my hope is that with each of these guests, you will learn something that stays with you and gives you courage to make more space and time for you in your day. So on that note, let's get into the show. Hey, Kara, thank you for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. Well, I loved your book, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. Uh, This was an awesome book for, I think, any woman who wants to feel inspired and hopeful about what's possible. And um, I found it to be a great combination of, you know, kind of how she built this story but also really tactical. So for, you know, my husband and I who are entrepreneurs, I was like, wow, like there was so much, like there were a lot of gems in the book and just being able to hear your story was so inspiring. So congrats on it. Thanks Um, so much. Yeah. And I wanted to ask undaunted. It's such a great word. And I want to hear from you, you know, why undaunted? Why was that sort of the overarching message in this book and the title? Why did you pick that? You know, it's interesting. Uh, the this this book was was a compilation um, from from just my journey overall. Uh, it was my journal, and uh, so I was uh, I was writing in my journal for the last four years, and often to 
kind of pass the time as I was on lots of plane rides and going to some towns. I found that, uh, especially over the last few years, I was going to towns as we were expanding our distribution where I didn't have friends. They weren't major cities. And instead of sitting there in you know, a Holiday Inn Express and trying to watch television, I just thought I'm going to just start journaling and thinking. And I got into this really, really great habit. And also on the plane, I'd put my headphones on and I'd just start writing and it was prompted by me doing a lot of public speaking, but also mm. sometimes meeting with the buyers that I was meeting with to expand Hint. And I found maybe even in my own boredom of sort of telling the same stories, I thought, gosh, there's so many stories along the way. There's still so many stories. In fact, the journal was uh, 600 pages. So probably the hardest thing about writing this book was actually editing it down. And, uh, and you know, it's interesting because I didn't even have a name for the book. I had some ideas about what it would be called. And then uh, we turned in the manuscript at the end of January. I had two editors. One was my husband, who was sort of looking at things that maybe I, you know, forgot along the yeah. way, little yeah. little component because he was there through a lot of it. And then a gentleman named John Butnam, who sadly passed away at the end of March yeah. and uh, in the middle of trying to launch my book. And, you know, whenever you have an editor, if you've written a book, you'll know that uh, he was, uh, I wrote the book and he was, um, he was an editor. He wasn't a ghostwriter, but it was, uh, it was interesting because you spend for the last six months, I spent, you know, four hours a day wow. with him. And so wow. I knew a lot, you know, we'd get punchy after a while, we'd start joking <laughs> around, you know, and, uh, and it was, it was interesting because I spoke to him, he had a massive heart attack mm -hmm. and, uh, I spoke to him the day before, uh, be before, and, you know, he was doing just fine and, who knows exactly why um, this happened to him, but it was uh, it, it was interesting because we were thinking of names, and I had just gotten uh, the picture done for the cover of the book, and uh, and it was you know Undaunted was one of the names. It's 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 something that people have called me over the years, Relentless and Undaunted, and and so then we uh, decided to. Uh, to use that name, but I had called him because I, uh, my husband had kind of joked around about it, but also just based on how I talk, he put a period. I don't know if you noticed it on the end um, of the title. And a few people that were involved in kind of Team Undaunted yeah. said, don't do that. And so I reached out to him because I just had a lot of trust in him. And I yeah. said, what, you know, what do you think? And he said, I, I still have the text. He said, absolutely. He said, that is so you and absolutely do it. And uh, he said in the photo is just, that is, that's you. It, it, it's right there. It's plain. It's simple. It's exactly how you think about things from a design perspective. Uh, and, uh, and then I got the news a few days later oh. that he had passed away and it was so sad but it was there was no way at that point that I wasn't putting the period on it because I was like <laughs> John said John said that this is what we're doing oh. and uh, you know it was interesting even 
being sheltering in place and sort of trying to be my own editor. And he did an amazing job of getting me 95% of the way there. But as I was sheltering in place, and I live in Marin County and hanging outside as much as possible so that I could, you know, not just be inside and really reading and getting through. Yeah. Uh, it was fascinating because I I saw this bird that I had never seen. And he just sat there on the fence right uh. next to me. And I and it was just, I felt this like really powerful feeling. And then I decided, well, maybe if I go in my backyard and instead of my front yard, and maybe then uh, I'll know that it wasn't him. Follow me in the backyard. And it was just the funniest thing. Oh, I got goosebumps, Kara. I know, I know, right? And it was uh, it was this beautiful bird with this yellow patch on his chest. And it was just, and I kept telling all of my friends, I said, oh, you can meet John. And oh. they just said, this is the funniest thing. And I said, I know, he's like my pal and he's watching, but it was really specific to the book. So oh, that's anyway. beautiful. I know, isn't that a neat, it's a neat story. I believe in that. And I definitely pay attention to the birds that visit at particular times. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful so story. Yeah. Well, you have a lot of great stories in the book. As you mentioned, I'm sure it was hard to pick. I love the ones that I read. I mean, there's just too many, you know, people need to read it and it's such a fun read. And especially, you know, you're, you were undaunted, you continue to be undaunted, but what people who might not have read the book yet might not know is that you had a really, really successful career in corporate. And yet with these little babies at home, you know, you pregnant launch an entrepreneurial venture of Hint Water. And so I'm curious, you know, let's take us, take us into that story. What, what shifted? What, why, why did you go the entrepreneurial route? Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting when you're, I had been sort of quietly, I, probably my husband knew this most about me, but I couldn't understand through all my pregnancies how I couldn't lose weight. I was excellent at gaining weight through all of the pregnancies and uh, and I couldn't lose weight. And I had sort of given up on it and I was working my tail off and it, I was at America Online and like I said, um, on flights uh, back then as well, yeah. uh, as well as this time. Uh, through my own venture. But uh, but I had also developed over the last couple of years terrible adult acne that I couldn't figure out. I'd seen a bunch of dermatologists and you know tried a lot of different things and eliminated things from my skin, wondering if that was what was going on. And it was just really frustrating. Um, and then also my energy levels had really sunk. And granted, I had, when I left America Online, I had three kids under the age of four, but I also just really, I just didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel good about myself. I, I, I mean, honestly, not just the weight issue, but just sort of how my skin looked. I didn't look in the mirror very often. I mean, it was, it was, but again, it's not even something that you tell your friends, you know, hey, I don't look in the mirror anymore, right? You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> it's I just personal. sort of got over it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And And I just, and so while I was taking time off between, leaving America online and trying to figure out what I was going to do, which I totally assumed living in the Bay Area, that it was going to be something in tech. I was, I was taking a couple of years off. I was, you know, continuing to work out. I was always, you know, had some sort of running or workout routine that I was doing, soul cycle, whatever. But 
it was it was really time. It was game time, right? I was like, this is the time. I've got time to do it. Um, I've got a babysitter who was able to watch the kids so I could go out and do this. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't accomplish it. And it was just super frustrating to me. Yeah. And I tried all these diets. I was counting calories. I'd never done that before, but I was so hardcore going to figure this thing out. And that's when one day I'd pretty much given up and my skin I had totally given up on. And that's when one day I looked at my Diet Coke, my, you know, that w- I had been drinking for years thinking yeah. I'm fine. It's 10 calories. They didn't, they hadn't perfected zero calories yet. And I thought, that's fine. It's diet. And so when I saw all the ingredients in this can, I thought, I don't, gosh, you need like a PhD to understand how, you know, this, how many things are in there that I didn't understand. I had gotten into the process again with food and with skincare to really start looking at ingredients. And I thought, why am I not applying that to what I was drinking. And that's when I just did a process of elimination. I cut out my diet soda and started drinking plain water, not really thinking that it was going to work, but I thought I might as well just give it a try. And Mm. then two and a half weeks later, I was, you know, my clothes were fitting differently. I felt a lot better. My skin had totally cleared up. And so I started to think, wait a minute, like the only thing I've really done is this diet soda you know, elimination. And I was drinking plain water and, you know, and I, before that I really wasn't drinking water and I had lost over 20 pounds. I lost 24 pounds in two and a half weeks. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. And my skin had cleared up. (laughs) Wow. Interestingly, now I, you know, look back on it. And again, if you remember back to, uh, you know, sixth grade science class. I mean, your skin is your largest organ. And I had never really made that connection that my skin was actually probably kind of the last, you know, place where the insides had just had it, right? And I think I was probably borderline what's now now termed pre-type 2 diabetes. I mean, there were so Uh, many signs, but I didn't, no one was diagnosed. No, nobody was aware of that stuff. No. And again, I was drinking diet. I was athletic. Yeah, I was. You were healthy you know, otherwise. I was healthy. Yeah, and I had no reason to think. And you know, today, I mean, back then when I started, hint about two percent of the population had this thing called type two diabetes. My former roommate from college actually works for the Center for Disease Control, and she had told me she was moved from poison control onto this new thing called type two diabetes. And I said, "What's type two diabetes?" purely coincidentally, you know, to me kind of thinking about my own life. And she was explaining like 2% of the population have it. They aren't born with it. That's type one diabetes. And they're not really clear exactly how it happens, but most of these people are really confused Hmm. because they're eating and drinking, uh, you know, a low fat diet. And, um, and today, by the way, 40 to 45% have that's amazing. It's, it's amazing. What year was and that? So we take us just so we get that. Two thousand five. It's two percent, and now in twenty twenty one, we're talking forty to fifty percent. Yeah, that's a huge problem. It's crazy. I think that that's what I've learned, you know, over time. That if you are curious and you're willing to show up, and also re- willing to admit, I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer, and and I think it's uh, it's something that has really, frankly, helped and 
part of what I really wanted people to get out of the book too, is that you don't have to have all the answers. You also don't have to have, you know, the experience and you need to live undaunted. You need to be willing to be a little scared, right? When you go into things and be, and you know, I love being the least knowledgeable in the room and just sucking it all in. And it's just, it's exhilarating, right? And, you know, it's like reading a book where you're just sitting there, you know, trying to figure out what you're going to learn next. And, yeah. right? And, and I think it's, yeah. it's exciting. I, and I think this is why you've been so successful, Kara. I mean, having read the book, hearing you speak, and just the natural evolution of like the next stage of where you're taking things, you talked about those dots that connected. I call that like a through line that you can't see it when you're on the path, but at some point when you're in a new place on your path, you look back and you're like, oh my goodness, if I didn't have that experience and meet that person and have this, you know, character trait, it just makes sense when you look back. But in the moment, as you progressing naturally, it's, you're just kind of following that curiosity and um, that passion to want to do better. And you obviously, as a mom, healthy mom, kicked the habit, lost the weight, started playing around in your kitchen and realized you could offer something. So take us into that switch. And there's a funny story in the book. Well, I thought it was funny because you were were about to give birth to your child, your fourth child. Yeah. And you made one stop. So take us a little back a little painted and I picture for us. So I, you know, had been making this concoction in my kitchen and and it was pretty simple. It was just slicing up fruit. I remember friends of mine would come over to my house and they'd say, really, you can put raspberries in water and it <laughs> tastes good. And, you know, I started to get concerned about my friends. Thinking, oh, all right. Okay. We'll, we'll go with it, you know? And, uh, and, and frankly, I mean, I, I, I got phone calls from even parents. I thought, gosh, they're they're asking me what was in the drink that my child had at your house. And I started to really see that people were super interested in this, but it was also kind of a pain to go and buy all this fruit and pesticide free and all, you know, all the all the qualities that I really wanted. Yeah. And uh and that's when I thought, I wonder if there's a ready to serve drink that I can just go to the store and purchase, especially when I'm, you know, out and about. It was so much easier to grab a can of Diet Coke than that way. And when I went to my local store, uh, and I went to a lot of stores in the Bay Area, that it wasn't, um, it wasn't there. It wasn't on the shelf. And I thought, gosh, I, you know, it's interesting. It's something that I think women do a lot. Is that I think it's, it's, uh, I just can't find it. It mm-hmm. must be here somewhere, right? Exactly. And versus versus actually thinking, oh, I've just come up with a great idea. Totally. And and so that was me. I looked on the West Coast. I had a trip planned to the East Coast. I looked all over New York City, and it wasn't there. And I just was shocked. And I remember going into a store, uh, Whole Foods, which was a new store in the Bay Area. And I asked the guy that was stocking the shelves at Whole Foods, I said, um, so do you have a water with just fruit in it? Because I can't find it anywhere. And he said, oh, we have this product called vitamin water. And uh, vitamin water at the time didn't even have a diet version and of their product. It was just, it was the full sugar version. And so I remember turning the label around and showing him the ingredients. And uh, 
and you know, I was just staring at it for a while. I said, what are you looking at? And I said, I'm just really amazed because I have a lot of friends who drink this drink. And this to me just seems like a no-brainer. It has more calories in it than a can of Coke. I mean, mm-hmm. why are so many people fooled by it? Mm-hmm. And he said, I think because the words, I think vitamin and water kind of make you think that it's healthier than it is. And I said, oh, it's so interesting because I you know, told him my story about Diet Coke and how I had given up. And he said, oh, that's so interesting. He said, I've gained so much weight since I started drinking it. And I was curious about it. And, <laughs> and, I, and so that was the moment when I really, maybe my journalism kind of kicked in where I yeah. started thinking the power of words and how, you know, I had been drinking this drink for so many years and thinking that I was doing right. And now other people were looking at this and how the word low fat and, you know, all these things were, it was like a perfect storm was all coming together. As my husband said, you probably have way too much time in your hands right now because you're not working and you're thinking about these things. And that's when, uh, you know, I decided, gosh, I should just go launch this product. I was still interviewing for different roles. And then I found out after I wrote this like mini business plan, I just thought it would, you know, just kind of pass time. And I wonder how hard it is to get a product on the shelf. That's when I found out I was pregnant with my fourth. And so I thought, well, I don't know if I really want to look for a job because it, it, I'm going to, you know, have another baby soon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why go to work? And I, I'll just stay a little longer, sort of, you know, trying to figure out what I want to do. And so I thought it was a perfect time actually to, to, you know, do this little project. I wasn't even calling it a little project because I thought that's way too daunting. It's just this little project. And, uh, and that's when, you know, I announced to my husband that I was taking $50,000 out of our bank account because I found this bottling company in, Chicago that was female owned and you know it was going to cost me this to buy the bottles and the fruit and everything he's, he's like wait what 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 are you doing and I hadn't told him that I was pregnant yet and uh so then I I didn't really like his response and uh I also he said what is the name of this company and I said so it's called Wawa and he he's a New Yorker and yeah. he I grew up on the west coast and he yeah. said so there's this little company and he's you know, a lawyer. And he's like, there's this little company on in Pennsylvania called Wawa. Please don't call it Wawa. And then I think he felt sorry for me at this point because he thought, oh gosh, you know, I'm bursting her bubble and, (laughs) you know, this is terrible. And I know how much she cares about health and how she's, you know, took an idea that's really helped her get healthy. And, 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 you know, he was feeling a little bad that he was sort of poo-pooing on my idea. And so then when I started to talk about, um, you know, other names of the, of this idea, that's when I, you know, came up with hint and, and uh, he said, Oh, it's four letter word. And, you know, you'll never get the trademarks. And that's when I just, you know, really just, sunk my boots in at that point. And I said, by the way, I, I said, you're not my favorite person right now, but I'm pregnant with our fourth. And <laughs> oh, that's said, when you told him. I love it. I read what? that in the book. I know. He said, yeah. what? And I, I said, yeah, I'm pregnant. And your job is to like be the lawyer and just file. And I just like stormed off and, and uh, he did too. And I was like, I wonder if he's coming back. I mean, I, I'm going to have a fourth child. I hope he's coming back. <laughs> I mean, this is like, you know, I don't know. And he, and so he did come, he came back that afternoon and he said, this is really crazy on a lot of levels. I mean, do you really know what you're doing? And I said, no, 
I don't know what I'm doing, but I really think that, you know, if I can actually develop a beverage that helps people drink water, then they can actually, we can change people's health. The thing that happens whenever you launch a company, whether it's a service or a product is there's always delays, right? You think it's going to come and and uh, uh, everything's going to be on time. It never happens. And I had learned this through my other companies that I had worked in, but uh, you know, somehow I thought it was going to be different for me. And so the I knew I was having a planned C-section mm. and my um, our product showed up the night before I was having our planned C-section. For two weeks, I was sitting here saying, where's the product? Where's the product? Where's the product? It wasn't. And I had basically given up saying, I'm going to go have my child and then I'll worry about it later. Well, it shows up. And at the time I lived in San Francisco and parking space is super, super limited. And so I had two spots in my house and one spot was filled with a pallet of water. And I, you know, had gone to bed that night. My husband let the truck just drop it into my garage space. And and I have the car out on the street. And I'm thinking, how is this all going to work? Like the babysitter, we've got two cars. The babysitter has got three young kids. She can't go outside and, re, you know, circle around and try and park the car. This is just so logistically, you know how it is, right? I, You're yes. trying to figure this whole thing out. Yes. And so when I woke up the next morning, my husband said, so we don't have to be at the hospital till two o'clock. What do you want to do? And, <laughs> I said, do? Let's, <laughs> and I said, let's go see if we can get the water, at least some of the pallet out of here and uh, at Whole Foods. And he said, I was thinking a walk or sure. brunch or something. Yeah. And I said, no, no, no. I said, let's, let's go do that. It'll be really fun. And he said, okay, well, when that doesn't happen, let's then go to brunch or something, whatever. And I said, okay, whatever, let's just go. So he, of course, wasn't going to allow me to go by myself. He uh, brings a dolly with him. We have our 10, first 10 cases. We go into Whole Foods and I find the guy that I had educated on the vitamin water. And I said, Hey, do you remember me? I hadn't been in for a couple of months, uh, or at least he hadn't seen me in a couple of months. And he said, the first thing out of his mouth, he said, wow, you're really pregnant. And I said, Oh, that yeah, 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 I am. And he said, are you going to have a baby in the store? Oh my goodness. And I said, hope not. I mean, I'm having a plan C-section by the way, can you put the product on the shelf? And you and I had talked about it a few months ago. And he said, I'll do what I can. I mean, there's no guarantees. And I said, oh, shoot, you know, I'm going off to the hospital. And he said, uh, you know, I don't know. And my husband said, Kara, come on, like enough. We're, we're not doing this anymore. And I said, okay, well, it'd be really great if you did. And, you know, but we'll just leave the 10 cases with you and we'll see what happens. And so <sighs> went to the hospital and had my son, Justin, and he, uh, and then the next morning I got a phone call. First of all, when you have your fourth child, none of your friends or your family call, they're, they're just like, oh, she's going to be out of commission for a while. So, you know, they're not going to call it. So So I figured it was somebody calling and, uh, and it was the guy from Whole Foods. And he said, I need you to get over here with cases. I know you're in the hospital, but uh, we, the, the 10 cases are gone. And I said, who took them? And he said, 
uh, no, they sold. And I said, oh my gosh, you're kidding. You put them on the shelf. I didn't know. And he said, of course I did. And, and he said, but I'm going to get in big trouble because there's a hole in, you know, the shelf and, and in the refrigerator where, where I've got you. And, uh, I hadn't even seen where he had put me in. And so it was at that point that I, uh, you know, called for the nurse and I said, you know, we're going to check out this afternoon. I had like a few days as a planned C-section, but I said, we're going to check out this afternoon because <laughs> I just launched a beverage and it just sold. And she was like, wait, what? And I said, I know I'm so excited and I'll be fine. I'm going to go home. And so my husband, uh, that's when he said, listen, we're going to check out and you're going to go home and you're going to rest. And I'm going to go yeah. and deliver the cases. And I said, okay, and, you know, it's funny because he came home uh, with this card and he said, I hope it's okay. I, everybody in the store was asking me, I figured I'll, I'll probably need to go in there a few more times while, you know, you can't drive and everyone's asking me for a card. And as a Silicon Valley lawyer, I mean, he was, you know, it, it, he, he was working in a law firm and then he was working in-house. He didn't have... Uh, he didn't have a business card. I don't know why. Like they just yeah. didn't really use business cards. And so he uh he didn't have one. And so he stopped at FedEx Kinko's and he got a business card and it was completely a joke. I mean, he he put chief operating officer of hint and he said, I hope it's okay. And I said, You you can be whatever you want. I mean, it was just not That's we smart, were smart. That was smart. Yeah. yeah. And he's still our chief operating officer today. And I you know, and anyway, but it's a, it's a fun story. And it, frankly, it's a story that we've told, you know, to friends and family over the years, just because it's funny. And, you know, and I mean, at the time we were just living it, but when people would hear the story and understand that most, I mean, none of my brothers and sisters are in, you know, the food industry and they would hear these stories and they said, stop it. You did not. And exactly. I said, oh, That's I what I was reading going, oh my goodness, she did what? Yeah, she went and, and left and socked the shelves and left the hospital early. And but also just going in there in the first place, I was like, this is a hilarious, but this is undaunted. Yeah, Talk it's about undaunted. Being undaunted. I mean, you are living. <laughs> well, and it's funny too, because I think people often ask me, even did you know Theo is still our chief operating officer? Did we plan on working together? And you know, you read the book. We didn't. I mean, it was just never he was. He wanted to support me. I mean, he's always somewhat joke, somewhat serious, like happy wife, happy life. I mean, yeah. he's just always been, and I've been supportive of him too. And I think that for, he just saw that in during these times, it was, you know, challenging. And yeah. here I'm, you know, delivering his baby and, you know, he wants, he wants me to rest. And so he did things for a reason, but he was not, I don't know. I know he definitely never said I'm going to go be, you know, an entrepreneur either or start yeah. a company. He thought he was going to be a lawyer, but he wasn't a happy lawyer. I mean, he really did not. He was a good lawyer. He was an excellent lawyer, but yeah. he just he he just didn't really love it. And so when he was seeing me, you know, explain plan C-sections inside of a Whole Foods, he just thought it was funny. He said, wait, what? What is she doing right now? And how does this whole thing work? And, you know, and and it was just, and so, and, and frankly, I, I only mention him because as time has gone on, even as I've spoken at a few 
law firms over the years too and talked about, you know, kind of his journey that having that background and, you know, maybe in some ways connecting his own dots. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's been, he was obviously, you know, able to act as our lawyer early on um, before we got bigger and he could have still, but he was just so busy with operating, but just things that he was always interested in around science and around, I mean, he's done so much work around packaging and plastics and to some extent, even water. I mean, really understanding that stuff. And again, not having the background, but being able to really answer a lot of questions. And I think what he would say is that a lot of that he learned from me. You know, just from, I just, he saw me asking questions and just also saying, yeah, I don't know the answer to that. And it just not really, it wasn't what he grew up in or his DNA, but he was a quick study on it. And he thought, I can do that too. And I think that that is is finding a partner that can also pull you in that direction where it's in you, but nobody's actually telling you that it's okay or it's, you know, it's... uh you know, we'll, we'll balance each other in some way on that. So anyway. Well, it sounds like you guys have done a beautiful job of balancing each other. And um, it's interesting because again, with the through line, I'm just thinking, and I want for the women who are listening, they might be able to learn or discern something from their own lives, but you wanted to pursue journalism, which Mm -hmm. requires a lot of curiosity and asking a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. And you've been, you know, really great about if you don't know something, solving for it, right? I mean, you both said, you said both of you weren't looking to become entrepreneurs. It's not like you had dreams of doing this, Uh -uh. but you were pursuing and had the curiosity. And so I think that's interesting. And I am wondering actually, if you could share with this idea of being undaunted and what you've just talked about, there's so many women I know and women who are listening to the show, they get that whisper. They get that aha moment, like, oh, I really wish there was XYZ product. I really wish I could find this. And they are daunted though. They're not, they're not, they're lacking the confidence. What advice could you give to a woman? What would you say to someone who's listening? Who's like, wow, that's amazing. What Kara's done. Like, how do I get started? How do I overcome that? What, what could you offer? I think looking at maybe some of the products that you see out there and especially ones that were not, uh, and and some of them have been acquired by large companies, but whether it's a service or just hearing stories, I've always been, you mentioned how I built this. I've always loved hearing those stories, but in addition, just reading about people's background. And what I figured out is that, you know, entrepreneurism, there's lots of stories about the people who are unicorns or something that, you know, failed, but there's the stuff in between that goes on that, you know, is just, I think it's just super, super interesting. And, and especially the ones that are kind of purpose-driven or mission-driven or, or really, uh, you know, kind of change the way we do things. I've always just been really curious. And I think maybe years ago, I used to think that it, it's, uh, you know, some big company went and and developed those things. But generally, it's because some person was sitting in their kitchen or, you know, thinking about something and then started doing it. They didn't really think, oh, this can go be a company. There are some um, out there. But again, in every industry, I think that that needs to be 
I don't know. I think it needs to be told more. I was actually speaking at Wharton a couple of months ago, and it was interesting at the end of the course, it was a course on entrepreneurism. And the professor actually said, I'm rewriting some curriculum because I really don't think that we're thinking about entrepreneurism correctly, that it's not necessarily the entrepreneurs that have worked at the large companies that are the ones that are, you know, kind of game changing, you know, whether that's Warby Parker or Facebook or, you know, do you need a college degree to go and be an entrepreneur? No, what you need is to identify a problem. It often just kind of hits you in the face because of something that you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. And then you have to have a solve. For that problem. And, you know, another thing I say all the time, I, I think of ideas all day long, you know, what, but I don't have solutions for yeah. all the ideas. And, and so that's another piece is, is that to be an entrepreneur, you really have to be able to think about what the solution is and then kind of back it out with what are the steps to actually get to that solution. And I think that if you look at whether it's journalism or finance or or you know whatever you're in that helps you if you decide to go and be an entrepreneur and build a company i think another thing in sort of building the company and frankly the reason why i'm still the ceo of the company um there's lots of founders that end up maybe starting as a ceo and then um they step back from that um and i think that a lot of the reason for that is that they don't actually try and learn every aspect of the company. One of the reasons why I was a minor in finance was because I feared finance when I was mm. in college. And I really didn't understand it. I had some friends who were finance majors and I remember laughing with them thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about at all. And then I thought I should take a couple of finance classes just because it fit into my schedule. Yeah. And uh, and and so I did. And I, I remember just thinking that it was really, really, it, it, it was so motivating to be able to really have an appreciation for something, even though I didn't want to do it every single day. And I think that those are the successful CEOs are the ones that, you know, can read a balance sheet, can actually, and as our company grows, there's more, I'm constantly learning. I mean, when we were starting our direct-to-consumer business, um, you know, I, I was learning to code. My teenage kids were laughing at me because they knew more code than I did. But I said, I just want to test this thing out and I don't really have the money to go and pay for doing a site. That site was ours for three years. And I kept saying, can we put some money into this because it's? I want to change it and get the story behind it and do all the stuff. And, uh, but I, you know, I, I just wanted to you know, kind of proof of concept that really, really cheap. I never expected it to sort of be there for as long. But anyway, I just think that that's such an important piece is that you have to be willing to go and learn a little bit, not only in the beginning when maybe you don't have money to go and hire for some, someone for that position. But I always say if, if uh, you know, somebody quits, right, and that you know enough to not be hugely disruptive to your business. And, you know, even if you're an engineer, I was speaking to a group of entrepreneurs on, or sorry, engineers on, on campus. And I said, you know, if you want to be Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, 
whoever in Silicon Valley, you should understand what marketing is and what design is. It's not just about um, the engineering aspect. You should understand if you are lucky enough to go be an intern in a company, you should go and sit on customer service calls and actually see, you know, what problems sort of erupt on that end. It's just fascinating and it may actually allow you to be better at what you do. And so, being able to kind of be a generalist and be well-rounded, I think, is is you know the success piece. But that doesn't mean I think it really starts with kind of the problem and and uh, utilizing all the things you already know, but be willing to learn lots of other things too. I think that's amazing advice. There's a great story too um, in the book, but actually, I'll let you pick the one that feels right to you. I think that a lot of times people see a success like your company and they see you and you're everywhere now and right. And you've got this Mm -hmm. amazing book and, uh, you know, a bestseller and you host a podcast and you're doing all this stuff and they think, Oh, she's so lucky, which is always a funny thing when people say lucky Stacy mm-hmm. Madison talked about this on her uh, when I interviewed her from Stacy's Chips, and I thought that's funny because I hear people say and they have this perception, or they think you are some overnight success. They don't know the fifteen years to get to today, mm-hmm. right? So, and you talked about the unicorns, and that's why they're called unicorns, right? Because they're not the norm. It's this hard work. It's this curiosity. It's facing adversities because people see all the good. Share mm-hmm. a challenge. Share one of these stories. Uh, I did have one in mind, but I'd love yeah, to tell, tell me which one well, came out. I just, well, the Coke guy, um, when you were, yeah. that lit the fire underneath you, but maybe there's a specific challenge that comes to mind um, that you'd rather share. You, you go, do, you, you tell me what feels right to you in terms of like, you know, something that a woman will hear and go, Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, you know, she's ridden through some hard stuff. Well, I think, you know what I think is so interesting, even writing this book. So I remember when I was getting the blurbs for the back of the book and uh, one of the, one of the people uh, who is also an investor in our company is John Legend. And he's still an investor in our company and has become a friend of mine. And and he uh, and he read the book and he he said, you know, I kept reading the pages and then I say, okay, here's where she shuts the company down. And then I thought, wait, she didn't <laughs> shut the company down yet. And and so it's amazing, you know, when you think about even your day-to-day life, you might not be starting a company, but there's just stuff that happens throughout the day. And then, you know, you don't necessarily, it's just not relevant, right? To somebody else, you see a friend and I don't know, maybe you go for a hike and maybe some of this, but you don't want to complain. You don't, you know, talk about a distributor who's not, you know, paying on time or, you know, it just doesn't come out. I have one story that's actually not in the book that's really interesting. A lot of people have shared, uh, they've asked me, how did you raise money? And is it harder to raise money as a woman? I remember early on, we had just gotten our product into Google. We're in, uh, we're in the, uh, all the offices in Silicon Valley, basically, uh, starting with Google. And it was we were growing, and it was at a point when I really felt that maybe we go out and raise money. And there were a number of Silicon Valley uh, investors. Again, I had never raised money before. That was somebody else's job and these companies that I had been a part of. But a few of them, 
you know, super A-list investing in all these tech companies were reaching out to me and saying, hey, I heard you're, you know, raising money and um, you've got a great beverage that's in all of our portfolio companies and super great. So um, will you come in and, and talk to us about, you know, your beverage? And I said, sure. So again, my husband's the chief operating officer. We get a babysitter for the four kids. We're, you know, come in for the meeting and, uh, I'll never forget uh, one of our first meetings where I walk in the door and I uh, he says, uh, you know, is your uh, is your husband parking the car? And I said, yeah, he is. He's he's parking the car, and he said, so who's watching the kids? And he had he had read you know the the background and and again like I had a choice right there it was something I totally didn't expect this conversation and I I just automatically said <gasps> and he said are you okay and I said oh yeah you know it's so interesting there's these things called babysitters can you believe it and I said I just you know so that. <gasps> us women can go and have meetings and, and, you know, and, and he, and it was so funny because it was at that moment, my husband walked in after parking the car and he said, what's, what's going on? And I said, Oh, nothing. We, it's all good. And he looked at me and he said, that I'm so sorry. That was so rude. What I said to you, I don't even know why I asked you that. And I said, Oh, it's fine. I, I don't. It's all. It's all good. And he and he said, "Why would I have asked you who was watching your children?" And right, like you left them home alone. Like what was like he I thinking? Them, I don't know. <laughs> but you know, it's funny hmm. because it. It's it, he. We ended up pitching, and you know, he. It ultimately didn't work out, which yeah. is a whole other piece because I. I think that there's there's another thing that happens in in raising money, which is that if you are uh, talking to people who have never invested in your category before, yeah, they have never done anything in beverage. Yeah. The the likelihood of them actually investing is very low. Yeah. And I always share this with entrepreneurs: understand stuff that they've invested in, or what stage, or whatever, along the way, and uh, but also. Sometimes people say stupid stuff and they don't even realize they're saying it. Yeah. So that moment allowed him. And what's funny, I saw this gentleman about three years ago. And of course, you know, the success of it. And he and he uh, saw me at a conference and he said, who's watching the kids? That's and he, cute. Can you believe I said that to you? And yeah. I said, not really. I, I can't believe it. But he but again, I don't think he ever said that again. Yeah. Right. And he yeah. probably told that story about how wrong he was to say that kind of thing. Right. So yeah. I always like look back on some of those things too. And again, dots connect and, you know, lots of different things along the way. But it's, it's really a story, I think, too, of, I don't know, like, you know, being in a situation where it, you're uncomfortable. Um, you, you know, do your best to sort of get through it in some ways. Uh, it, interestingly, my husband, when he heard uh, that he had, we got back out to the car <laughs> after the meeting, I told him what had happened. He, and he said, 
That's really interesting. Why why do you think he said it to me? Does he think I'm just a deadbeat dad that oh I would and and I just I just said, "Oh gosh, you know, like it's just it's really interesting mm-hmm. the different perception of it." Um, but again, we're we're making progress and along the way, but it doesn't mean, you know, at times that it isn't hard and at the end of the day, I, you know, raised a lot of money um, over the course of the last 15 you years yeah. and I've knocked on a lot of doors and has it been easy? I don't know. People have said, is it harder to raise money as a woman that versus a man? I've never been a man. So I have no idea. I have sure. so many stories and I think you just can't let it stop you. Yeah. yeah. You just have to find it. And, uh, we have over 60%, we have over 200 investors, um, and a lot of fans of the brand, including John legend, but awesome. over 60% who are women actually who love the product, who believe in me. Um, mm. but, the, but it starts with loving the product, right? That they yeah. really get it and they believe in it and they want to support it. And so find those people and, and you're going to run into people who are doubters, who are stupid, right? That they'll say dumb stuff along the way, sometimes hopefully unintentional um, stuff. But at the end of the day, it can't stop. You got to brush your shoulders off and just keep going. Yeah. I think what I'm consistently hearing from you, and it's interesting because I get the sense that challenges for you are like, okay, bring it on. (laughs) You you see the positive and stuff. Not that you don't have those hard days, but you go towards solutions and trying to figure things out. And so they don't maybe knock you down. I I don't want to speak for you, but is that the case? Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. I, but you know, when you're in it, it can be really challenging and hurtful and upsetting, right? It's not that I don't sit there. It's not that things don't affect me. Right. You're not impervious to it. It's just that you I'm still talking about it years later, right? It's just, and, and, but I, but instead, you know, maybe in some ways I take names right uh, along the way. And I just think it just adds and, and it adds to your resilience. And I think that, you know, there's many stories in the book too, um, that talk about, you know, challenges, failures, when people said stuff from whatever along the way. And I think that they just make you stronger. And entrepreneurs will say to me, how did you know For example, how did you know at the beginning of the pandemic that you needed to raise money? And how did you have the confidence that you would be able to go out and raise money on Zoom when everybody was telling me, you can't raise money on Zoom? Everything's, I mean, the markets are shut down, everything. Mm. And I said, no, like we have to tell these people we're doing really well, we're growing, and we need enough money in the bank for the next two years because I don't want to. I lived through 2008, 2009, and I'm not going there anymore. Mm -hmm. Like it was hard and awful, and I wanted to be ahead of it. And again, when you go through challenging times and, you know, you write those things down and you relive them, they allow you to make the right moves and do the right things and also have confidence when no one else around you um, says, that you should. And I think they're really, really important. So I'm super thankful for all those previous challenging times that, you know, just, they just make you stronger. Make you stronger. I love that. 
I love that. And it sounds, again, these are some of the themes too, in terms of being undaunted, having resilience and perseverance and curiosity. Would you say these are the money, the money mindsets? Would you say these are the mindsets to be successful? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Let me ask you just quickly then yeah. though, because you have been successful and this show is really about following what's in your heart and really living a life that's true to you, whatever success looks like. It might be just mm-hmm. making more time for yourself to take art classes or do things that fill your heart, but it may be to go and try to launch something big. How do you reconcile the desire to, you know, because my husband and I, 48, I launched the show in my business. My I love it. 51. Yeah. You started in mid thirties. Um you know, there is the benefit of maybe having saved money and then taking risk, but how do you reconcile like going for it? Because we have this one shot at life, right? And we don't, I, I always say, you know, you don't want to look back at the end of your life going, gosh, I lived it for everyone else. So how, I'm just curious your thoughts based on what you just said about that. Like, what should be the message? You know, what do you, what do you think? What do, what are you telling your kids? I think for I mean, people always ask me, will your kids take over? Hint. And I, you know, my answer is always the same, I think, as any parent. I just want my kids to be happy. Yeah. Right. And I just, I, more than anything, and I want them to be kind and grateful. I think the most challenging thing for people is thinking how, like, what do you want to do? I mean, I say this to my family all the time. What do you want to do? do every single day. That if you have to have a job, which all of you do, what is it that you want to be doing every single day? And then go from there. And I think that, I mean, I often think about, you know, my, in my parents' generation that I remember, I call my dad a frustrated entrepreneur in my book because he always worked in a large company. Can you imagine how stressful it is for or, or how stressful it was. I mean, my dad would be in his early 90s now that you had to think about at age 21, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? Because most of these people thought, okay, I'm going to go get a job and I'm going to yeah. be there f- not for the rest of your life, but until you retire. Right. And some of his friends had a second job, but they were all, then it was always like, did you get fired? What's wrong with you? Today, it's a beautiful thing. You can actually go and try something and then switch careers, yeah. right? There's no, I mean, it's totally normal to go and work somewhere for a little over a year. I mean, it is. It's totally normal to take a little bit of time off. And so I always say, you know, to my kids, like try and figure out today what you want to, what do you think you want to go do? And you can actually change. I mean, yeah. I have locked in for 60 years. Yeah. No. And it's like, and it's, I mean, that, if nothing else, that's changed. And, you know, I also say this to people even about where you live. I mean, it's just, you don't buy a house and then stay there forever. A lot of people don't. They move places and they just decide that that's what they really want. And I think it's just, you don't, as my dad used to say, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? And I think, you know, I go back to that even when things are challenging and they seem really scary. And I share that with my kids too, is just try and figure out today. Don't put so much pressure on yourself to think beyond and instead just try and figure it out, like what you think you want to do. And, and if nothing else, you'll have a story about why you thought you were going to go there and why you changed direction. And those make the most interesting people. 
I agree. I agree. I've loved this conversation so yeah, much. Can you too. leave um, the women listening with your, no pressure, your best tip, <laughs> on, best living, tip. on living a good life? I think it's that. I think it's really, you know, figuring out what you want to do and and just going and trying. Go for it. Undaunted. Go for Yay. it with an undaunted and attitude. Live undaunted. Yes. Live exactly. undaunted. So. Um, where can people learn more about you and your book, Kara? So and hint water. Where do we? Yeah, them? and hint water. So uh, the book's called Undaunted: Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, and. Uh, and I'm all over social media, Kara Golden with an I, and hopefully you'll uh, get a chance to try Hint as well. And you can buy it in stores or at drinkhint.com. I love it. And at some point you'll come back on and tell us about how you're expanding into sunscreen and deodorant. I mean, it's exciting. It's all, yeah, it's online right now at drinkhint.com and hand sanitizers. That was my little innovation project during uh, COVID, which is, it's amazing. Oh, cool. All different scents. Yeah. We'll check that out. Well, thank you. You've been really generous with your time. This has been such a blast. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast right now on your phone and to leave a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you are interested in continuing the conversation about the topic that was discussed in any episode, you can leave a comment over at thegoodlifecoach.com. For that particular episode, you can also access all of the show notes. And while you're there, I'd love to invite you to be a part of the community where you will get an email from me once a week with more inspiration and tips to own your life and love yourself. Thanks as always for tuning in. And I'll look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.